ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us this morning. I invite you to take your Bible and turn with us to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 22. Hebrews in chapter 9, verses 11 through 22, as we look at the price of freedom. The price of freedom. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for, for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoyed unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Recently, we enjoyed celebrating Independence Day. What a beautiful day for our country. It's a day that we relish, celebrate, and enjoy the fact that we are free. And the freedom that we enjoy is never free. There's always been and always will be a price of freedom. We in America take for granted so often that even though we are born in a free country, we never stop to think that somewhere, someone paid a price so that you could exercise your so-called right to freedom. 
The fact of the matter is that freedom is not a right as the secular humanistic world would have you to believe and to be taught. Rather, freedom is a privilege given to everyone named an American. And that freedom was purchased with the toil, the labor, and sacrifice, and yes, the blood of many men and women. We as a people owe a debt of gratitude to all of the men and women wearing a uniform who fight, protect, and defend our freedom, whether it be on the desert sands of Afghanistan or Iraq or the darkest street in the smallest town in America. We ought to thank God for our men and women who fight for us, who protect us, and yes, die for us on the battlefield so that my children and your children and grandchildren can run and play with freedom. Our nation was formed with the blood of those that wanted to be independent from England. In 1776, our forefathers drafted a document that is revered as one of the most precious national treasures in this country, the Declaration of Independence. You can read through it in about eight minutes. Many of these men were considered traitors and wanted for treason. John Hancock, the largest signature of the, on the document, had a bounty on his head of 500 English pounds. These men endangered all that they had to form a new nation called the United States of America. When John Hancock signed this document, he signed his name so big that the king would not have any trouble seeing his name. These men were considered renegades, rebel rousers. God, give us more like them. They formed a new nation. Many lives were given so that you and I can sit and understand and read and study the word of God and worship in our houses of worship and enjoy everything that we have. Blood had to be shed for freedom that we enjoy in this land. America was formed with and by the blood of those who fought for it. And America remains free by the blood of those that are willing to die for it. Have you ever wondered what happened to the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? Five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds and hardships of the Revolutionary War. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? 24 of these men were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants. 9 were farmers and large plantation owners. Men of means, well-educated. But they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planner and a trader, saw his ship swept from the sea by the British Navy. He sold his home and property to pay his debts, and he died in rags. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. 
He served in the Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery, Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson, Jr. noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters. He quietly urged General George Washington to open fire. The home was destroyed. Nelson died bankrupt, but he chose to do that to his own family home so that they might win. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. There's 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children had vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. Such were the stories and sacrifices of the American Revolution. These were not wild-eyed, rebel-rousing ruffians. They were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had security, but they valued liberty more. And standing tall and straight and unwavering, they pledged for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. End of quote. They gave you and me a free and independent America. And the history books never told you a lot about what happened in the Revolutionary War. We didn't just fight the British. We were British subjects at that time, and we fought our own government. Now, some of us take these liberties so much for granted, but we shouldn't. While you're enjoying this time of this time of year celebrating our freedom, we must remember that freedom is never free. And we must focus beyond America. For some 2,000 years ago on a hill outside of Jerusalem, freedom was purchased as well. As our brave men and women lay everything they have on the line day after day to allow us to enjoy what we have, Jesus Christ laid down his life so that our soul could be free eternally. This freedom, as with all freedom, had a price, and that price was the blood of the spotless life lived by the spotless lamb. Freedom has a price, my friend, and it's blood. And I want you to consider several items about the price of freedom that you and I enjoy or the freedom that you do not have, but you can have almost immediately if you desire it.
We must understand the price of true freedom. Freedom of your soul from your sins takes a spotless lamb. God had the only spotless lamb available in the form of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To illustrate this point, I want you to see the picture, pictures of the blood of Christ all through the word of God. In Genesis chapter 4, the blood is pictured in Abel's lamb. This shows us the acceptance of the blood. Abel was the keeper of sheep, and he brought of his firstborn to offer unto God. God was pleased with his offering, and he accepted it. In Exodus chapter 12, is pictured in Israel's Passover. The application of the blood is what we learn from this. The blood had to be applied. The children of Israel were told to take a young lamb and purify him for 14 days. He had to be perfect without blemish, and he had to be in perfect health. They were then told to take the blood and apply it to the doorpost, for when the death angel came that night, if he did not see the blood, the firstborn of every creature would be slain by the death angel. God said, but when I see the blood, I will pass over you. In Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11, it's pictured in the tabernacle. And the picture that we see there is the atonement of the blood. The Bible says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. May I say that it is still the same blood that makes atonement for your soul? I encourage you not to be swallowed up in the lies of Satan that the preaching the gospel, the blood, and the book doesn't matter anymore. It still works. It still works. And it will remain working until Jesus comes. Then I would also show you the purity of the blood. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Peter would elaborate and say that it was the precious blood of Christ. I would call to your attention, it is not the blood of mammals. It is not the blood of men. But it is the blood of the master. Cain shed Abel's blood out of jealousy. It was not that blood. In the Old Testament, the blood of purified lambs were shed and sprinkled on the brazen altar of the Ark of the Covenant. It was not that blood. When Solomon built his temple, 
He had 22,000 oxen brought and 120,000 sheep slain. And he offered the blood unto the Lord for a sin offering. But it was not that blood. The very next day, the law demanded more blood. Why? Because they were temporary sacrifices, sufficient for the covering of the sin of that day, but not capable to cover sin and remove it for eternity. There would have to be intervention from heaven, for there has to be a supreme sacrifice. There would have to be intervention from heaven because there has to be an all-sufficient sacrifice. There would have to be intervention from heaven because there had to be a spotless lamb of God. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed and the blood of the people rained in the streets, but it was not that blood. John the Baptist's head was served to Herod and Herodias on a platter. He was martyred for his faith in Christ, but it was not that blood. Peter cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant, but it was not that blood. Peter says this about it. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It was the blood of the spotless lamb and the sovereign Lord. So we can say with the songwriter, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Evangel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? But I would also point out to you finally the power of that blood. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The blood has the power not only to cleanse the sinner, but the blood has the power to destroy Satan. The Bible teaches that during the 1,000 year reign of Christ on the earth, that he will be cast into a bottomless pit. To that we say hallelujah. At the end of the millennial kingdom, he will be loose for a little season. He'll give one last push in rebellion against God and the nations of the world. God will finally then deal with him and cast him into eternal damnation forever. For Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone and shall be tormented day and night, forever and forever. Did you get that? Shall be tormented day and night, 
forever and forever. I say it couldn't happen to a nicer fellow. What has he been doing to the church since Jesus Christ saved your soul? He's been tormenting you day and night forever and ever. And now he gets exactly what he's been doing. The blood has power to defeat sin, cancel sin, delete sin, forgive sin. The blood of Christ has more purchasing power than the credit worthiness of every nation in the world. And with that blood, Christ has purchased a redemption for the whole world. The blood is the only power to deliver the sinner. You can try to rehabilitate anyone. It will not make them righteous before God. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. It has the power to defend the saint. The blood of Jesus Christ has never lost his power. It is the same cleansing power as it was when it was drawn from the veins of our Savior. And every sinner that's washed in the precious blood of Christ is saved forever. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 says, Come now, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Jesus' blood is forgiving blood. Jesus' blood is freeing blood. Jesus' blood is fellowshipping blood. Jesus' blood is flowing blood. Jesus' blood is fresh blood. Jesus' blood is foreordained blood. My friend, thank God that Jesus' blood is forever blood. Freedom is not free. No, never. It has a cost, and it has always been and always will be blood. Jesus Christ died for your sin. Will you come to him today? Will you accept him as your Savior? All you have to do is come to Jesus Christ. And say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe that you paid the price for my sin. And I, tr I trust you now for my salvation. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I trust you now for my salvation. Come to Christ today. Don't delay. Come now. Come now to Christ as we pray. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you, and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.